Hello, health investor. Welcome to another episode of the Health Investment Podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Caroline Holke. Caroline has always had a pretty good life on paper, happily married with two kids, a leadership position in corporate marketing, and plenty of good friends and family. But she wasn't as happy as she knew she could be and understood that the first place to start was her relationship with alcohol. Today, Caroline is a drink less coach. She helps women get rid of the crappy parts of drinking, and this doesn't mean that they need to quit drinking altogether. Most people focus on what to do to cut back on their drinking. Caroline has a skill for helping her clients tease out what thoughts are driving their drinking in the first place. Addressing the habit at the root cause is what helps create sustainable change. Caroline works with clients one-on-one to develop a plan on how to unbelieve these limiting thoughts and create a life they wouldn't dream of numbing out. In the episode, she shares tips for acclimating to social situations when you're not drinking as much, positive changes to expect when you cut back on alcohol, mindset shifts that are absolutely critical to adopt when you want to drink less, and more. But before we get to the episode, I want to share one of my favorite resources with you, thrivemarket.com. I don't know about you, but I used to think eating healthy meant I had to spend a lot of time and money at the grocery store. That is until I discovered Thrive Market. Thrive is an online grocery shopping platform that's essentially a mix of Costco, Whole Foods, and Amazon. Since Thrive delivers groceries directly to your door, they're able to cut out all middle people and heavily discount their inventory. When I buy groceries on Thrive versus going to my local supermarket, I save at least $20 per order, and I'm able to fill up my cart from the comfort of my couch. To read my full Thrive Market review, steal my shopping list of over 150 items, and save additional money on your first order, visit thehealthinvestment.com slash Thrive Market, or just click through the link in the show notes. All right, it's time to hear from Caroline. Enjoy! Simonson, Certified Nutrition Coach and your host of the Health Investment Podcast. If you're ready to look and feel your best without any confusion, frustration, or stress, you're in the right place. Each week, I interview experts and share no-nonsense, research-backed tips so that you can finally lose weight for good, eat healthy long-term, have the high energy you crave, and feel like a million bucks. I'm so happy you're here with me today. Don't forget to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Hi, Caroline. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Health Investment Podcast. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here, Brooke. Can you tell us a bit about your background? And I like how you word it. Specifically, what made you want to become a drink less coach? Mm, okay. I okay. So my background. I I'll go way back. Oh yeah, um, good. I always love that. People say, "Is it you know?" I'm talking too much. I'm like, no. I love the part of hearing somebody's okay. story. So go for right, it. Right, right, right. Okay. So I grew up in a drinking family. My parents were young, and they had a bunch of friends, and there was always like some activity going on. And I mean, they would do fun things around the neighborhood, and it was just like tons of fun. And so I absorbed that messaging as a kid 
It's like, oh, they're having a lot of fun. They're always drinking. Therefore, drinking equals fun. Like mm -hmm. that equation, I think, is absorbed in so many people's heads at a really young age. And of course, I started experimenting when I was a young teenager. And, and that was kind of the norm. And that continued for sure. And through college and then after college, through after, I mean, after undergrad. And I don't think that, oh, the other thing to note too, is that my brother actually had, um, he had problems with drinking and with drugs. So he went through AA, he went through rehab a number of times. So I kind of watched that. I was very, um, you know, and I was an observer of all of those events, you know, the multiple times through rehab, the multiple times through, you know, uh, the starts and stops and all that kind of stuff. So that was another message that I really internalized is that you get help when you have a problem. Like when it's a full stop, this is an issue, like all the shit has hit the fan, basically. Mm -hmm. And there was no in between. It was this abstinence only model, which I think that most people are very familiar with. It's AA or, or rehab. Mm -hmm. And and now a day nowadays there is more there's there are more options. There are things that we can do, places that we can turn to if if we are in considered we are what is considered a gray area drinker. Mm -hmm. And by that I mean that you know, the people that are kind of questioning what is going on for their, with their drinking. And I think that that's such an important message. And that's really why I really enjoy being on these podcasts, not only to meet great people <laughs> and to talk to people and all that stuff, but, but I think there's such low awareness. And I think that there's, and I know, I know that there are so many people that are suffering in silence right now because they, like me, grew up with this belief that you only get help when you have a quote unquote drinking problem. And I'd like to say that, like, you don't have to have a drinking problem to have a problem with the consequences of your drinking. Hmm. Like, I don't, you know, there's no issue with getting help with figuring out how to make sure that it doesn't become a drinking problem. Mm -hmm. um, so I got sidetracked there. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm hanging on you every yeah. word. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we, um, so for me, I kind of. I learned those lessons as I was growing up. Um, after undergrad, everybody was still kind of drinking the same as I was. Um, I did notice, I think probably by my early 30s, I started noticing that other per people were not drinking as quickly as I was. Um, and it's funny too, at the, I don't know if it was at the time or after the fact where you know, it could be hindsight's 2020, but just the fact that I noticed kind of told me that something was up, hmm. you know, because mm -hmm. you don't notice things unless, unless there's a reason for that. Right. And, and I, I, I kind of call that like, this is the nudge that kept coming up. Like my girlfriend's not drinking as quickly as I was. And well, why isn't she drinking so much? Well, first it was like, oh, is she pregnant? But um, no. <laughs> the, always, so, right? If a woman right. refuses a drink, that's always, oh, totally. she must be pregnant. Yeah. Totally. Um, but um, 
so she wasn't drinking as much. Then I noticed that, you know, the hangovers were getting worse and, you know, it wasn't bad, bad. I continued to excel at work. Um, things were fine at home, all that kind of stuff, but it was like that groggy feeling the next day and then kind of limping through the morning and then making really bad food choices to help me quote unquote feel better. <laughs> and then by the end of the day, you know, five o'clock hits and I've had a rough day and I need a glass of wine because I've all the wine I'd had the night before. Mm -hmm. Right. Like it's like, it's this cycle that you get on. Um, and I, and I knew once I started kind of listening to that nudge, it kept coming up. It wasn't just, um, it wasn't a one-time thing. It was enough where I was like, you know what? I, it's time for me to kind of start listening to this because it felt like I was driving with the emergency brake on. Hmm. Like it was fine. Again, it was fine. It was just, I knew that things could be better. Mm -hmm. I knew that there were some opportunity costs with continuing to drink the way that I was drinking. And so I, I actually did have kind of my, my big event was, um, it was in August of 2016. So it's been six years since I've had my last hangover, mm. which I'm very proud of. Um, and it was a, um, it was a big night. It was the, the end of a work event. We were in London and everybody was up way too late or early, whatever it was. And I just felt terrible the next day. And when I think about the people that think that drinking less is boring, I tell you what, there's nothing more boring than spending, wasting a day in a, in a hotel room in London. Like you, you should be out doing stuff, not right. recovering. So, um, at that point I was like, that's it. You know, I've, this has been coming up enough and this is just, I gotta do something about this. And that's where I started. I started investigating things. I started reading books. I started listening to podcasts. I found a coach and I really completely changed my relationship with alcohol hmm. and it's been fantastic. I know that there's the term kind of sober curious. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've heard of that. So, mm -hmm. and I, I see it a lot. I'm on TikTok now for business and also pleasure. I'm loving TikTok these days, <laughs> but I see a lot of people on there, younger people too, yeah. who are, even their handle on there might be something about being sober curious or mocktail life or something. And mm -hmm. they've either drastically cut back on alcohol or cut it out completely. And they're sharing, try this mocktail, try this, try that. Yeah. Is that a new term or is that when you six years ago kind of changed your life? Did that term already exist? I was not aware of that term at that point. So okay. um, that I agree. I think that that's more of a, a, a newer term or it's certainly more relevant now. I don't know, but it's in my it's in my consideration set at the moment, I, would, I should say. Um, but I don't know that. I mean, sober curious is just that it's curiosity. It is about questioning your relationship with alcohol. So it doesn't necessarily mean sober. Right. Which I think that I think that that makes it a little more accessible for people because, again, it goes to that black and white thinking of I got to go all the way to abstinence only. And a lot of people are like, uh, eh, no, <laughs> I'll yeah. deal with driving with the emergency brake on for a little while longer because that just feels like a bridge too far. 
Right. And um, so, yeah, I think that that is, there are a lot of people that are, that are questioning their relationship with alcohol. And I think that probably the pandemic has a little to do with that as well. Yeah. I think it has a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, so I like how you describe that. It's kind of this nudge that you felt. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure a lot of listeners can relate to that where you kind of know, right. If it, whether I'm a nutrition coach, so I always kind of think, you know, I had a guest or several guests last week actually talking about finances. And I'm always thinking of similar analogies with nutrition and finances and same things can work with alcohol where it's not necessarily that you want to go full fledged, you know, I'm same with nutrition. Like I'm cutting everything out. I'm never going to have a piece of sugar again. And that's usually not sustainable. And then the other flip side of that is oh, I'm just going to eat everything I want and not worry about nutrition at all. Yeah. Um, so I do think there's this gray area that exists in a lot of these worlds, but this nudge you describe, I think is a great way to kind of phrase it. And you usually know if there's, you know, when I first talk to clients, we kind of co-create a plan together. And so I ask, you know, what are you, what are you thinking are going to be your first goals for this week before I even suggest anything? And they typically name two or three of the things I would have said, I mean, you know, deep down, they'll say, I need to work on upping my steps. Uh, I want to start eating more vegetables, you know, and you, you know, deep down the things that you should be doing that you're not doing. And so do you find that most people have this kind of nudgy feeling when they are experiencing that gray area or the driving with the emergency break on? Well, I think that, yeah, I mean, certainly anybody that comes for coaching has, right. Right. And yeah, they've, they've, they're already acting on it. And, and I want to give a lot of props for the people that, um, that do go through that, that, you know, that do what, what typically will happen is somebody comes up to this, you know, they, they make this discovery on their own and they're like, a lot of times it's like, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired or whatever. So I'm going to figure this out. It's like Monday morning, I'm starting the diet. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to take care of it. And they try it and they try willpower and they try all these, like, I'm going to have two glasses and I'm going to have a glass of water in between. I'm going to do this, that, and the other thing now. And those don't work because they're willpower only. And, and then it gets really frustrating. And what happens along the way is that they have totally beaten up their self-trust. Their self-trust is in the toilet at that point. So Mm -hmm. for your listeners, you are not alone. Okay. (laughs) So this is totally normal. This is kind of part of the process. And then they're like, okay, that's it. I've got to talk to, I've got to talk to somebody else. Mm -hmm. I've got to reach out to a nutrition coach. I've got to reach out to a drink class coach. I need, I need some external help. What I'm doing isn't working. And the, um, so they have already kind of gone through that process. They realize that something's up and they want to make some changes. And, and I guess the reason I brought that up is that it does take a lot of courage. It takes a lot of courage to work through the shame that is associated with, with drinking in our society. We live in a drinking culture Mm -hmm. and it's very much like you either drink normally or you don't like, and we pretend like there's nothing in the middle and there's such a huge area in the middle, Mm -hmm. such a huge area. So yeah, I think that it does take a lot. Um, you know, I just want to give props out for, for those that do reach out. And, and what I do, I typically do with my clients in the beginning is we work on rebuilding that self-trust because that's such a critical part of the journey. Mm-hmm. 
Can you talk more about that? I mean, what are some ways that you work with people on rebuilding self-trust and how does that different from the willpower approach? Mm, Yeah. So the first thing we do is we work with a drink plan and it's basically looking at how the brain works. So rather than, um, really allowing urges to dictate when we're going to drink, which is those urges are coming from your primitive brain versus your prefrontal cortex. So when we use a drink plan, the, the rule is that, that they plan it 24 hours in advance. And in the beginning, you can put five drinks on there. Fine. Whatever that is, but just make sure that you stick to the five drinks. Most of the time when you're planning 24 hours in advance, you don't put five drinks, but, but it can happen. It's not against the rules. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so 24 hours in advance, your prefrontal cortex is your executive party, part of your brain. So that's got your long-term interest at heart and you plan that out. So you say, what am I going to drink? Why have I decided to drink? Um, how am I going to feel before, during, after all that kind of stuff. And then before you drink like the day of, then you review that plan. And you review that plan with with the mentality of it's really not about the number of drinks. It's about I'm becoming a woman who keeps her word to herself. Mm. And like when that's the higher order benefit, like that other glass of wine just doesn't mean as much. Mm-hmm. And so we want to keep that fresh in mind. So that's how it's a little bit different. It's like working with the brain and, you know, designing it in a way that we can really set ourselves up for success. Mm-hmm. And that win of just, mm-hmm. I'm the type of person who keeps promises to herself or, yeah. you know, and make getting that win over and over mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. just builds up yeah. your muscle, if you will. To- absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the brain is looking for dopamine from wine, but you actually get dopamine from, from completing a task. Hmm. So like feel it, you know, adhering to that drink plan gives you dopamine as well. Mm-hmm. Since so much of our social lives revolve around food and alcohol, and Mm -hmm. since it's such a big part of so many friend groups, I know it can feel awkward to drink less. I've experienced this myself or not at all. And typically, if you are a female of a certain age, there's looks and weird glances of, oh, is the person pregnant or, you know, what's going on? And maybe people even say something. It just it can feel really weird and just out of place. And sometimes you can even feel like a problem people make Mm. it a problem, right? Of why aren't you drinking? We're all drinking. Are you sure you don't want this drink or we're going to do a shot or whatever it is they're saying. So what tips do you have for navigating social situations? Yeah. So I actually have a little handout that I'm happy to offer to your, to your listeners. Um, But I think it's important to recognize too, we do live in a drinking culture. I said that before. And so if you want to drink less, it's really important to prepare. Like walking in with no plan means you're going to, you know, you're kind of leaving it into the fates fate of the gods <laughs> or whatever, you know, whatever that expression is. So, um, so definitely prepare, think about it. You know, visualization is a crazy powerful tool. That's why athletes do it all the time. You know, you, when you, when they pan out at the Olympics and they, they show the gymnast or whoever, and they're kind of going through their routine, that works. It works because they're actually visualizing success and they're priming the brain for what is going to happen. And actually they've taken brain scans and it actually, it literally does change the brain. Um, so it's very effective. So think about what it's going to be, you know, 
typically we're going to, you know, the people that are going to be there. You probably even know what kind of food is going to be there. You know, you know, you know a lot of it and you can kind of run through it and decide what you want to, um, how you want it to go. I want to have, I want to have two drinks or whatever it is. Um, think seriously about why you're going now, if you need to drink in order to tolerate, tolerate the situation, then that might be telling. <laughs> like, yeah. Listen to that nudge. Right. So, I mean, if you're and so if that's not the case, then you're not going for the Bud Light. You're not going for the glass of wine. Typically, you're going for the people that are there and keeping the focus on that. Mm-hmm. That's really helpful. So, you know, thinking about your why, visualizing how you want it to go, prepare, like kind of run through if you're going to order a non-alcoholic drink, like what exactly is it? Because if you don't prepare that, then your mouth is just going to spit out what you normally drink. Right. Like it's just muscle memory. It's going to come out. So practice that. Mine is, you know, when I'm in that situation, I have a club soda and a wine glass with no ice and lime. I like to have a nice glass, too. And like uh, that feels festive. Uh, that's just my personal preference. Um but yeah, there are a lot of different things you can do. The other thing that I would note too is that there is a um, there is this thing called the spotlight effect, which is we all believe that everybody's looking at us. And you know, now picture the stage, picture this dark stage, and everybody's got a spotlight on them. You can't see somebody else. You can only see what's going on for you. So we're all very fixated that everybody's looking at us, but everybody's doing that. So we're all standing in our own little spotlights. Right. So most of the time people aren't really noticing so much. And if they are, then that's more telling about them than anything else. Mm-hmm. And if they're noticing and commenting, I find, again, the same thing for nutrition. It's, I call it or I think it's actually a common term, but food pushers. Yeah. So if you turn yeah. something down and somebody else is trying to push it on you, mm-hmm. that's more about them than it is about oh, you. Absolutely. And so just realizing that people care more about what's going on with them than what I'm doing. And so after a few, no, thank you. I'm fine. No, thank you. Usually it diffuses and yeah, yeah, everything moves on because they're more worried about right. what they're doing themselves than about right. you. Right. And I found, you know, maybe a joke helps too. I mean, I went over to see a girlfriend's new condo and and I brought her a bottle of wine and she, at first she was very disappointed that I wasn't drinking the wine. And I was like, Oh my gosh, honey, there's more for you. Yeah. (laughs) It's all good. And you don't even have to go anywhere. Like you can drink the bottle of wine and not even have to drive. The ultimate gift. (laughs) You're welcome. That's funny. Do you find that now versus before, do you still have fun in social situations when you don't drink? Yeah, I actually, it's, <laughs> I have more fun because I'm not self-conscious at all. And I know that it's, I'm there because I want to be there. It's not that I have to drink in order to tolerate these people, any of that stuff. I'm there and I'm more present with the other people. I'm not worried about saying something wrong or oversharing or whatever, spilling anything, da, 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 da. I don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Or if it happens, it's because I'm a klutz or whatever. Yeah. Right? It's um, not, oh, you've had so many. Yeah, classes. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I'm dance without a problem. I'm, you know, it. I find that it's so much more freeing um, 
and really and truly having being able to connect with the other people that are there. I think that that is so, I mean, that's the point. Yeah. I mean, I, like, I didn't come here to, I, I went to my um, college reunion not too long ago. And I was like, I didn't get on a plane to go to Boston for the Bud Light. Like, I yeah. just did not do that. <laughs> like, that wasn't the point. Right. That's a good way to put it. They also have some really excellent non-alcoholic versions yes. of things now. Have you do, have you dove into that at all? Yes, definitely. Yeah, I've got I've got a favorite wine and I've got a couple of good beers that I that I do enjoy. Yeah, because sometimes, like you said, the festivity part of it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it is kind of fun sometimes yeah. to have something other than a can of seltzer or. Right. You know, if a restaurant offers a mocktail, like that's kind of fun of, yeah. oh, I get this festive drink and it looks like a cocktail like everybody else. And right. it's right. it's just not as maybe boring as the typical. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. if you can find these low ABV or no ABV yeah. replacements, yeah. that's... Yeah, I've, I've found a, a, quite a few. I think it seems like that whole, um, uh, whatever, I'm losing my phrase here. Oh, no, I know what you're saying. Like the whole uh, section segment, of the segment. segment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that whole segment is just, that is growing out, yeah. of, out of control. So, which I think, you know, is that a chicken or the egg? That's definitely, that's a response to demand for sure. For sure. Um, and, and they're really quality ones now. I know yeah. that years ago there was, it all tasted terrible. And I, I, even just six years ago, the yeah. wines I wouldn't touch. They were, there was no point. No. So, well, I, I, we had tried these, um, I think they're 0.5%. There's a brand, um, I'm forgetting what it's called right now. Athletic brewery. Yeah. And so they're, they're basically non-alcoholic. They have a little tiny bit, um, but they taste just like a real beer. Right. And I, the first time I tried one, I thought, wow, this is, this was brilliant. I'm sure they probably existed before COVID, but I was like, and while we were all sitting quarantined, what a fantastic idea that would be to yeah. start one of these low or no ABV volume companies, because right. you see all of the, the uptick in drinking and you know, the pendulum will swing mm-hmm. and people will be trying to break away from it. And so mm-hmm. I was just thinking, wow, brilliant. People were being real brilliant during, I instead know. of making sourdough I'm... bread, they were... <laughs> starting companies. <laughs> like, what are we going to do? Exactly. Yeah. I, I was in marketing before. So yeah, I can, I, I've been, I've been at those tables before strategizing about how do we, how do we address this? Um, yeah, exactly. So Smart. I, um, yeah, I've got a number of, oh, I was going to say about the wine that I really love is actually, it's a New Zealand um, Sauvignon Blanc and the whole entire bottle is like 110 calories. Yeah. I'm that's like, the other thing. That's great. Yeah. What is the brand of that one? It's Giesen. Oh, okay. I can send you that. But okay, it's, yeah. It's really good. Yeah. Do they make all, is it a whole brand that makes no alcohol wine or it's just. I think they actually do have alcoholic options as well. I, the, what I've found for myself, the ones that I prefer are the ones that are de-alcoholic. I can't pronounce that. Yeah. They've taken the alcohol out. So uh-huh. they've actually processed it all the way through for the wine and for the beer. And then somehow they take the alcohol out. I don't know how that works, but yeah. Hey there, health investor. I hope you're enjoying the episode. Just popping in here for a quick minute to share an exciting opportunity with you. 
Outside of hosting this podcast, I work as a nutrition coach specializing in sustainable weight loss. If you've been struggling to lose weight and actually keep it off, I'd love to connect with you in my group or one-on-one coaching program. Unlike restrictive, hard-to-follow diets that only provide short-term results, I help you adopt science-backed habits and an everything-in-moderation mindset so that you can lose weight permanently, feel completely in control of your cravings, have steady energy throughout the day, and stick with healthy habits long-term. To learn more about my coaching programs and apply to work with me, visit thehealthinvestment.com or follow me on Instagram at The Health Investment. Now, back to the episode. No, I think that's true because some of them, if they just make it right off the get-go, mm-hmm. it can taste just like juice or something. It tastes not. like grape. I mean, yeah, yeah grape so juice. So you're like, mm-hmm. this is just grape juice yeah. in a wine bottle. <laughs> this is not very good. No, thank you. Yeah. Um, So you mentioned a few, but what are some other unexpected positive changes people can expect when they cut back or cut out alcohol? Yeah. So I, I talk about this, I talk about the found time. Yeah. Uh, What does that mean? Yeah. So (laughs) if you think about, if you add up all the time that you spend kind of preparing to drink and drinking and getting over drinking you know, that can add up right there. Yeah. And when you strip all that away, then, you know, you've got a pretty hefty chunk of time there. I've got a friend who actually, she calculated it and she figures that it was 40 hours a week. Wow. A full-time job. Yeah. It was a full-time job. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so that's pretty significant. Mm -hmm. Now, most people will not be that much, but you know, in the evenings, a lot of times people will start drinking when they come home when they come home from work or when they, you know, log off of work here at home, whatever it is, um, they'll start drinking at five o'clock, let's say, and they'll make dinner. They'll sit around and have dinner. They're not doing much else that evening. Maybe they put the kids to bed, read some stories, something like that. Maybe do a little laundry, but they're not going to do much else. Um, so when that's cut out, then all of a sudden you've got more energy, you've got this time and you've got more energy to do other things, like redirect that towards picking up a hobby that you loved as a kid that you have not had time for theoretically. So Mm -hmm. lots of opportunities for that. So found time is one better relationships. I've really found, um, really that's really enriched my ability to be able to connect with others and um, really be there and have true conversations versus I I used to love the late night conversations with my girlfriends where, you know, it's super late and who knows how many bottles of wine, whatever. And we are getting like down into the nitty gritty. And then half the time the next day, none of us can remember any of it. Right. Like, did they really like, I do have fond memories of it, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't a true connection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's one thing, certainly better decisions. Um, and then feeling better, not only better sleep, um, but skin and some people lose weight. I did not lose weight, but whatever, <laughs> that's fine. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of, a lot of benefits. Right. And I will say too, I'm sorry, I didn't mention this earlier, but you know, in the beginning, so six years ago, I decided to cut back on my drinking. Um, so I moderated for about three and a half years. 
And then the rebel in me kind of kicked in at the beginning of COVID where everybody else started really drinking. I was like, okay, I'm going the other direction and I'm going to give it, I'm going to go a hundred days without drinking. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I guess I'm still technically on that stretch. And, and I feel like I'm in the best position because I had already done all that work in the beginning to unwind my desire to begin with. And the truth of the matter is you don't feel any deprivation if you don't have any desire. Hmm. So yeah. like my son is upstairs playing video games right now. There's no FOMO. Yeah. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> That's a really good point. That's a really good point that desperate or yeah, desperation and desire. Is that what you said? Uh, Deprivation. 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 So many D words. Deprivation and desire. Yeah, they really go hand in hand. That's Mm -hmm. that's a great point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So once I got, I mean, I haven't quit drinking, um, but I just haven't felt like it. And so that's where I feel like that's the most empowering position to be in for Mm -hmm. me. That you could have a drink anytime you want. It's not that you've said no alcohol. It's just Mm -mm. you feel empowered to not drink or drink. Exactly. Yeah. Do you find like hanging out with the same people if they're still having the bottles of wine and you're there, does it hit a point in the night where you get very annoyed? Um, I just, I, I leave before then. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably a smart choice. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, when people start repeating the stories and stuff like that, I'm like, eh. and actually at this, at this point, I'm like, I'm typically not there that late. So yeah, it's totally fun. Right. It's a win-win for everybody. That's good. Mm -hmm. I'm not a mom yet, but I've heard and read a lot about alcohol as being something that's synonymous with motherhood now. Yes. Is this new or is it just spoken about now? And what advice do you have for moms specifically who find themselves kind of relying on that 5 p.m. wine every day? You're not alone. (laughs) That's kind of my theme in here, isn't it? Um, So it's not a new, brand new thing. Um, The name of it is new, New newish, like in the past 10 years, I would say. And you can see it. It's become more front and center in the past 10 years because of the mommy blogs, because of all the memes, because of all the products. There's like mommy sippy cup. There's like the onesies that say mommy loves me more than wine. Yeah. That Um, huge wine glass. It's like mommy's wine glass. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And like availability. So now sometimes you can buy wine at, well, a lot of hair salons will have it. They have it at zoos and grocery stores. And sometimes there's wine yoga. And I mean, it's just kind of the, the prefolation or the, what is that? I'm losing my Um, list yeah. Proliferation. Yeah. Availability. Yes. Um, but there was also, I think there's a really good example of this. Um, and this was in 2020 at Trader Joe's. They had a, it was, a, it must've been August. It was back to school time. And they had this huge back to school display and it's like stock up on everything you need for back to school. And it was this huge, awesome sign, really fun over this wine display. Wow. And I got a, a lot of cachet and people, you know, spread it around and said, okay, this is really funny, this, that, and the other thing. But like, think about that for a second. Underneath that, that message is that you really can't handle this. Yeah. And this will help, the core insight there is that this will help you cope. So one of the key reasons that for the growth in this whole group is that the message that mommy deserves a drink after a hard day, that that really resonates with people. Mm -hmm. 
And, and it's kind of a chicken or the egg thing. Like, because the truth of the matter is mommies do deserve something at the end of the day, right? They do. I will not take that away. I'm going to like, I will, I'm there with you fighting, fighting for you to make sure that you get that. Um, the question is, is it the wine? Is it the wine that you deserve or do you deserve better? And that's, that is for each individual to decide. Mm-hmm. If you're not having negative results from it, then, you know, no big deal. Right. But if you mm-hmm. are having negative results, then, then that's the opportunity to kind of question. Mm-hmm. Like, if you have is that this, nudge. yeah, are you having that nudge? And like, are you buying into the fact that you don't believe that you can cope? Those underlying desires, I mean, those underlying beliefs, excuse me, are the ones that are that we should talk about, you know, because that becomes kind of poisonous mm-hmm. and it'll seep into so many other areas. It's not just motherhood, but it's also, you know, is it work? Is it other relationships? Is it whatever it is? Mm. And alcohol doesn't help. Now, if you look at what the science says, the science says that, I mean, I, for one, I mean, a thousand percent believed that wine helped me relax. I needed that at the end of the day because, you know, it helped me relax. I deserved it. This, that, and the other thing helps me de-stress. But if you look at the science, actually what it is doing is it's increasing the cortisol levels in your body and cortisol is the stress hormone. And it's not just when you drink, but after repeated drinking, then it increases your baseline cortisol levels. So it's a complete fallacy. Like Hmm. it is literally introducing more stress hormones into your body. Hmm. So that's important to know too, right? Yeah. And affecting (laughs) your sleep. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people will say, oh, without alcohol, I don't sleep as well. Mm -hmm. But you may feel like you fall asleep quicker, but probably the quality of your sleep is not as good. Right. So it may feel like it helps you. But I don't have one of those little sleep watches or something, but I have friends who do. And if you look at one of those, you're you never hit the deep sleep when you have alcohol. So you probably wake up. Yep. feeling more exhausted than you would mm-hmm. if you didn't have the alcohol and maybe it took you an extra 30 minutes to fall asleep. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a lot of things. That's a lot of what I have um, my clients do when they're talking about the sleep aspect, because a lot of people do have a Fitbit, even if it's not giving like a complete readout on their sleep, it still gives you an indicator. Right. And every single time it's like, they know that they get, they get better sleep when they are not drinking. But when they believe that story, that can become a very difficult one. Mm-hmm. And so we have to look at some of the data, not only, you know, okay, this is what the science says, but what is your body saying? What is your Fitbit saying? What do you recognize mm-hmm. to help to unbelieve some of these stories? Cause it makes sense that you're going to kind of rubber band back to drinking when you believe that drinking helps you sleep. I mean, well, hello, everybody needs to sleep. If this is the yeah. magic elixir, then yeah. And yeah, I figured it out. <laughs> yeah, I found, yeah. I found the sleep, the magic elixir for sleep, you know. Right. And, and if that, like you said, if that's your story, then why would you want to mm-hmm. give that up? Right, right, right. On the topic of stories, what would you say are some of the key mindset shifts that are necessary to kind of unwind or overcome when you're on a journey to drink less? 
Yeah, I think there are some really pervasive ones of drinking equals fun. And uh, when we talked about sleep, that's a big one that comes up a lot. Helps me de-stress. Um, the other one I hear a lot is um, it's the only thing that helps me kind of quiet my racing mind. Hmm. It's kind of in the same vein as de-stress, but there's so much specificity to that. And that one comes up quite a bit. So um, it is, there are a couple things going on there. First, it is recognizing, you know, is that true or not? And like finding lived experiences of where it's, it's true where it's not true, basically. I tell the story about how we've got, we've got thousands of pictures on our phones of we're out at dinner or we're at the bar. We've got pictures of that. Da, 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 da. There's not one picture in there of feeling terrible the next day in the hotel room or throwing up or whatever it is. There, I mean, no pictures of that. That's not fun. Yeah. <laughs> when we widen our, our lens and look at the whole picture, all of a sudden it looks a little different. Mm. That's a really good point. Yeah. I'm sure you've tackled many of them, but what are maybe the ones that irk you most, the misconceptions about alcohol that still circulate? Any maybe that you haven't covered? Um, that, I mean, one of the concerns that I hear quite a bit from people is I don't want people, I, I hear, I don't want people to think that I have a problem. And, and if you think about that, so I had a client who didn't want people to think that she had a problem drinking. And so she would tell people that she was hung over from the night before. And that would explain why she wasn't drinking. I was like, can we look at that? Cause think about what you're saying here. You're telling them that you're drinking so much that you're hung over mm-hmm. in order to explain that you don't have a drinking problem. I'm like right. the, the primitive brain gets really creative here. Yeah. Um, so that's a big concern that I hear. The, the other one that I think that's probably the biggest one is mm-hmm. what are people going to think? Yeah. And, and if you think about alcohol, alcohol, um, and I'm, I'm not preaching abstinence at all. I think that everybody knows exactly what is right for them. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and that's exactly what I do. Like I haven't quit drinking. So I can have a glass of wine and it's not a problem or whatever. Um, but I think that people get, um, but alcohol is a drug and alcohol is the only drug that you have to take in order to prove that you do not have a problem with it. <laughs> now think about that with cocaine. Like you go to a party and somebody's passing around cocaine. Nobody's going to, not many people are going to have a problem saying, Oh no, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. It just doesn't happen. And so that just kind of points back to, we do live in a drinking society. We do live in a drinking culture where that is the expectation and starting to question some of these things, you know, that is because, and the reason that we do that is we're not liking the results that we're getting in our own life. Mm -hmm. That's why it's important to question them. If you're not having problems, not a problem. Yeah. But if you are not liking what's happening for you and you're feeling like this resistance from other people, then I think it's just helpful. Let's let's just be curious about some of the things that are that are holding it in, into place. Mm-hmm. I think conversations like this are really important, too, for 
those who are still drinking, who feel like they don't have a problem, but maybe there's a friend in the group who is showing up and not drinking that night. And so instead of jumping to, oh, are you pregnant? Or, oh, why not? Or are you sure? You know, it just understanding there's this whole gray area and there's so many reasons and just not pushing that person and yeah. worrying about yourself as we learn in kindergarten. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just don't worry about it. Right. Like let them make right. their choice. There's no need to comment. I mean, you wouldn't probably comment if somebody orders a certain thing, maybe you would, but you wouldn't say, Oh, why are you getting that instead of this? You know, just let mm-hmm. people do them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. hopefully, you know, as we said, the non-alcoholic or the low alcoholic beverages are really having a moment right now. I'm sure yeah. that will continue to happen. And I'm, then hopefully the word will get out that there is this area that you can exist in, in the middle yeah. and leave people alone if somebody's <laughs> experimenting with that. <laughs> get off everybody's it. back <laughs> or try it, or, try it yourself. Yeah, try it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You can stay up a lot later. You can do, Yeah. It's, it's great. Fewer calories, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the fewer Mm -hmm. calories thing, I have a client who is trying to cut back on alcohol and, uh, she, the other day was, she's chosen to use my fitness pal working with me. So she was logging in, uh, non-alcoholic, like you said, you use the wine. She had Uh gotten a different type and she was like, Oh my gosh, this is a third the calories of yeah. the cocktail I was making. And she was making a quote unquote low calorie cocktail. Right. But it is crazy how many fewer calories there are. So if weight loss is a goal, that could certainly help. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It, it can hurt. That's for sure. And One of the fine. Yeah, exactly. It's fun. It's festive. Mm-hmm. And you can even take that with you, right? To a party or something if you're going. And So I actually, I think it's funny because I've got teenagers right now and and, you know, teenagers will sneak alcohol into places. Right. And now I'm like, I'm sneaking alcohol, non-alcoholic stuff into places. <laughs> That's a, I mean, I had mentioned to a client, you could even take a flask of your non-alcoholic totally. version of something into a totally. house. And we were laughing about it of people will think you have this problem that you're bringing a flask to their party. Really? It's you sneaking in your non-alcoholic version. <laughs> Uh-huh. uh-huh. So we, funny. I know. That's me. I'm guilty. <laughs> Going back in your, to your youth, right? Of sneaking uh-huh. in drinks. Uh-huh. <laughs> another perk. Another perk. <laughs> One of the final questions I ask each of my guests is, in your opinion, what does it mean to make the health investment? Yeah, I think that um, in this case, drinking less. And and I what I'd like to say with my clients is like, what we're, what we work on is we get, we work on getting rid of the shitty parts of drinking. Like if you want to have a glass of wine and be social, do it. Let's get rid of the part where I need this wine in order to cope. Like get rid of those shitty parts. And then not only the feeling that you can't cope, but that you're stressed. And then you get rid of the, the, the physical parts of feeling terrible the next day or just not sleeping well, whatever that is like, that feels like a huge investment right there. Mm-hmm. Investing in yourself in in really having the courage to take a look at this, listen to that nudge, take a look at it and make these changes. And honestly, 
Um, it's not a linear path. I'm not going to promise that, of course. But uh, but on the other side, it is it is amazing. Yeah. Well, I know everybody's going to want to connect with you off air. So where can they do that? Yeah, thank you. Um, so my website is a good one. It's carolineholkecoaching.com. And I'll give you all the links so you don't have to spell everything. But um, <laughs> And then um, on on social Facebook and Instagram, it's they're both Caroline Holkey coaching. So awesome. I will link everything in the show notes. And you mentioned a handout as well, right? You'll send me a link to that. I do. Yeah. I've actually got, there's a whole page on my website with free resources. So I'll give you the link to that. I'll also put a little plug in for like a specific plug in for, I've got a free stop over drinking class. It's not a stop drinking class. It's a stop over drinking class. Mm-hmm. And that's delivered via email. So that's something that, um, so you don't have to worry about being there at a specific time or anything like that. And that's, a lot of people have seen a lot of success from that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here and sharing your wisdom with my audience. I just also want to mention to listeners, I had a previous episode that was really awesome also on cutting back on drinking. So I'll link that in the show notes as well, if you're interested. Um, But you shared so much new insight and this episode goes really well partnering with the other one. And I'm just very, very grateful for your time and for everything you shared with us today. Yeah, well, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Well, that's all for today. Thanks again for joining me here on the Health Investment Podcast. I'm so grateful for each and every one of my listeners. On your way out, remember to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs. Do not disregard any professional medical advice you have received or postpone seeking such advice because of something you heard on this podcast.